Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Longtime listeners of the show will be really happy to hear a familiar voice alongside me right now. I'd like to welcome author J.W. McCoola back to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Mr. McCoola, it's great to chat with you again. Hey, it's great to be here, Corey. Thanks for having me back. Always a pleasure. Always great speaking with you. You've got another book out. We're really excited about it. It's called Rockin' by Babies, One World, One Love Tour. So can you give me an idea of what readers will expect in this one? Sure. So in the first Rockin' by Babies, it's actually inspired by my son, who when I wrote the first Rockin' by Babies was probably two years old. You know, he loves rock and roll. He loves music. He loves, you know, jamming out, you know, with us and, and his little buddies. And, and that was kind of the inspiration for the original Rockin' by Babies. And then subsequent to writing that book, you know, he got a little bit older and, you know, our world changed a bit. And I kind of imagined what would happen if Benjamin and his band went on tour and tried to heal kind of the wounds of the world with music and with laughter. And you know, one thing I've learned is there's this universal sound that kind of cuts through all the noise. And what that is, is, you know, the sound of uh, children's laughter. Mm. It just has this way of cutting through everything else that distracts us as adults. And it's pure and it's magical. And so the whole idea behind Rockabye Baby's One World, One Love Tour is what if they went on tour all around the world and they used music and laughter, again, to heal the world's wounds, to get adults to listen to one another and to see the big picture, right? Often as adults, we probably make that a whole lot more complicated than it should be, so... Sometimes it takes a child's voice to, again, cut through all of that and get us to listen. I love the theme of music that you keep returning to. What is it about music that's so special and can bring us all together? You know, it's interesting. I love music myself. So that's the one thing me and my little man share in common. And one of my favorite things to do is go to live music events, all genres, all shapes, all sizes. And what's cool about that is when you go, you know, what you find is that music cuts across wide swaths, right? Like it, music does not discriminate. It's all inclusive and people take from music whatever they need to take from music. But it's this great unifier. And that's what I really like about it. And I felt like, you know, against the backdrop of what was going on in the world at the time and continues to go on, everybody could use kind of a great unifier, something that, again, that rises above the noise that could pull us apart. And uh, music just has that power. And who better to bring that power to the world than the Rockin' By Babies? Absolutely. Do the Rockin' By Babies have plans after the tour now? Do you have plans maybe for another sequel? You know, the Rockin' By Babies, I think this tour took a lot out of them. So they've had to do a little bit of resting. They're powering up with plenty of milk and apple juice and fruit snacks and other things that any touring band of their caliber needs to recharge. But from what I understand, they're back in the studio working on new music. And once they're done with that new music, they're going to want to bring that to the world. And they have a lot of now raving fans that are waiting for that. So stay tuned. I'm, I think Little Birdie told me they'll be going back on tour sometime in the near future. So watch this space. Writing a book takes so much time and energy, so is it all worth it? What makes the whole thing worth it to you? 
you know, bringing your creation to life, you know, it's kind of like, you know, in, in many ways, having a child and, and bringing that into the world. But in this case, you know, a child, it's kind of like, even with Benjamin, he was a wild card. I didn't know, you never know how things will turn out. Mm. But with something like this, it's like a ball of clay that you can mold into your baby and into your creation and release it into the world. That's exciting. And it's also scary, right? Mm. Anytime you release something out into the world, it can be criticized. But it can also have a huge impact in, in ways that, as authors, you know, is very, very powerful. Uh, and you never know whose life it could change, right? And so I'm motivated by the feedback I get from those that pick up the book and read it, and it impacts them in interesting, powerful ways that I would never be able to do if I just kept that in, locked inside my head. So I'd say the pen is still a very mighty weapon. And as an author, you can use it for good and for inspiration. And, you know, as daunting as that can be, it's certainly a worthwhile pursuit. And then once it's done, you got to tell people about it, right? Because otherwise it's just going to sit stagnant. So once you do get it done, you do have to, you know, spread the word. And that's a whole other conversation. But uh, I would say, don't be shy. Don't be shy about putting words on paper. And then don't be shy about spreading the word once you do have your book finished and published. Well, I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called Rockin' By Babies, One World, One Love Tour. It's written by J.W. McCullough, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get it everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere. Mr. McCullough, thank you again for coming by the show. I hope we can do this again soon. Likewise. Thanks for having me, Corey, and looking forward to coming back again soon. Sitting down here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Sherry Foldish. Sherry, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. It's really exciting. You have a new book out in stores right now. It's called A Journey Through Grief, An Insight to Understanding Grief. Uh, can you tell me all about this? Well, the first part of the book basically tells my story, the pain that I went through during and after my husband's death. And later in the book, I touch on different areas of grief and what the average person can do to help the one that is grieving, such as pastors of churches or medical, your friends and family members don't know what to do or say, and my book will help them with that. Hmm. Sherry, what gave you the idea to write this? Well, it was funny because I started off with a journal after my husband died, and every night after work, I'd get on the computer and just write all my thoughts and fears down, and then I put it in a drawer for 20 years, and I forgot all about it. And then just recently, in this past year, I looked at it again, I said, hmm, I wonder. So then I went ahead and contacted Christian Publishing. They were the ones that started the process of publishing my book. Mm. Is it primarily those who are experiencing grief that you are reaching out to with this? Yes, primarily the book is to help widows and widowers get through everything. Mm. The things that they are afraid of, they might think that they're losing their mind, and my book tells them, no, you're not. This is why this is happening. Mm. And also, friends and family don't know how to interact with someone who just lost a husband or a wife. Mm. And my book shows and tells what they can say, what they can do to eventually help that person in their journey to healing. Mm. And when it comes to writing and publishing, have you ever done this kind of thing before? No, I have not. 
Congratulations on publishing your first book. You know, certainly is a huge accomplishment. It isn't always that easy. Yes. What advice would you have now for the aspiring authors who are listening? Oh, I would say don't hold back. Follow your dreams and you'd be surprised where it will take you. And when you got that first copy and you got to hold it in your hands, what was that moment like for you? Well, after I said, wow, <laughs> and after I cried and then jumped up and down <laughs> and pinched myself, I still can't believe that I actually wrote a book. <laughs> now, looking back over the whole process of doing this, what would you say is the most rewarding aspect of having this published and yourself being a published author now? Knowing that what I wrote and the words that came from my heart and my soul will help someone else that doesn't know which way to turn or what to do. Mm. And that really is what I wanted the book to be. Mm. Is there anybody in your life who inspires you when it comes to your writing or your creativity? God was with me the entire time. Mm -hmm. He was there giving me thoughts. You know, he kind of nudged me every now and then. Mm. So that, that's the person that I give my thanks to every day for writing this book. Did you find yourself looking to God, maybe going to prayer in those times when maybe you were having trouble getting the words to come? Oh, yes, very much so. And did you have a certain time or place that you would go to write, or would you just sort of start writing whenever you felt inspired? I started to write whenever I felt inspired. And at the end of my book, I have included poems that I wrote, mm -hmm. basically about grief and, and, you know, what a person goes through, etc., well, certainly my listeners should check this book out. It's titled A Journey Through Grief, An Insight to Understanding Grief. It's written by Sherry Foldish, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can pick this up everywhere like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Sherry, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had such a nice time learning about A Journey Through Grief and a wonderful time talking with you. Thank you so much, and God bless you. I'm really happy to be joined right now with author Rick Romano. Rick, thank you for joining me tonight. My pleasure. It's really exciting. You have a brand new book that's out in stores right now called Grazi Dio. So can you tell me all about it? Yes. At 85 years old during this last COVID quarantine business, I had nothing to do. I'm a very active old guy. And in the past, I had been writing notes and stories to grandkids which I have 29. Wow. And one of my daughters is a school teacher. She was looking at some of the stories I had been sending to the grandkids, and she told me I should write a book. She said, Dad, you had a book. I didn't think much about the idea at the moment. And then later, unfortunately, my daughter had cancer mm -hmm. and passed away. I'm sorry. After her funeral, I sat down and started thinking my life in general, as we all do after a loved one passes. And I said, yeah, I'm going to write that book. Because also my mom, God bless her, rest in peace, wanted to write a book about our move from the city in Connecticut, Bridgeport, Connecticut, to a farm in upstate New York, kind of a mod kettle tale. Hmm. So I was inspired, sat down and started hammering it out. And I ended up with a book. It's the story, basically, of 85 years of living and loving. Hmm. My course through life, admittedly, not always in the straightest line and bumps in the road, but a lot of love. 
And after a few years, I finally came to the conclusion that, which is my theme now, life is for living and loving. Everything else is BS. Hmm. Not essential, not important. We're chatting a bit before the show and talking about the meaning of the title, Grazi Dio. Yes, Grazi Dio, literally translated, means thank God in Italian. Italian families all over, when good fortune smiles on us or something pleasing works the way we want it to, we're always, you know, the sign of the cross and Grazi Dio, good Catholics. (laughs) And what a great time for this book to come out, because the world sure needs some hope like this. They sure do. And I, I hope this piece in the book that I put, Definition of Love, and I said that love can be expressed in many ways. A simple smile of recognition or understanding can be a handshake, a hug, perhaps a kiss, or totally to committed love. All are acts of love. So my suggestion is have a love affair with everyone you meet. The world will love you and God will smile. Rick, is this the first time you've ever written or been published? First time I've been published, I've been writing pretty much all my life through Navy career, Army career. I always wrote notes of inspiration, little tidbits like being smart ain't so much doing it right the first time as it is not doing it wrong the second time. Mm. Words of wisdom and help. And I do it because I'm totally in love with life and I hope everyone else can be. And maybe this will motivate you to look a little deeper what really is love and what is of the world or nonsense. Rick, this book has a lot of meaning for you. So what was it like that moment when you got to hold the first copy of this in your hands? Fantastic. Probably equal to seeing my first child born. Wow. I mean, it was just a God-given blessing. And I held it and looked at it and explored it and read it and reread it. And then I printed up some business cards with the book to promote it. And I've been passing them out and telling everyone I see about my book. And so far, so good. Reception is outstanding. Fantastic. That's great to hear. Have you given any thought to publishing more, writing another book? Oh, I have two books started. Two more. Wow. Grazi Dio 2. <laughs> Not Rocky 2, but Grazi <laughs> Dio 2. It's a lot of stories that after reading and rereading and having it published, I wish I would have put in there. Mm. So I'm expanding, and then I'm writing a fictional story of expanded experiences that I had in life. And I'm just building them up to make an interesting story out of it. And then one other book I'm doing is a cookbook, Mama Mia's Cookbook. So I've been a pretty busy kid. (laughs) At 87, I have plenty to keep me going. Oh, I love it. The name of the book is Grazie Dio. It's written by Rick Romano, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can pick this up everywhere like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Rick, thank you again for joining me here tonight. I had a wonderful time learning about Grazie Dio, and just a great time talking with you. Thank you. The same here. God bless you. Remember, life is for living and loving. Everything else is BS. The Mysteries of the T-Rock Garden. This is the new book. It's written by George Three. It's out in stores right now. George Three is the pen name of Patsy LeVang, and she's right here with me now to talk about the book. Patsy, thank you so much for being here. 
Yes, you're welcome. I'm very happy to be on your show. I'm very happy to have you. So can you tell me all about the mysteries of the Tea Rock Garden? Yes, I can. So I was sitting here, the first COVID lockdown, not lockdown, but stay-at-home order in March 2020, I was paying attention to my granddaughter playing outside, and we live on a farm, and, you know, I just watched her so carefree and so happy, and I have these little garden ornaments, and I thought, you know, it's so great to see little kids being little kids, letting their imagination run wild with them. I just decided it's time to do a book again. And I decided to write it about the interaction with these little kids and the outdoors and the little fairy ornaments that I had in my rock garden. And it just kind of took off from there. Hmm. Patsy, what sorts of readers were you reaching out to with this? Well, you know, it can be a reader from any age, really, where they're reading. And then through adulthood, it's a story about fairies, but it's a lesson teaching book where the concepts are really geared for any age. And the story itself is geared for younger children. Is this a book that took you a long time then to write and then put through the publishing process? Not really. The 2020 time gave me time to do that. Mm. That couple of months there, I roughed out. There's actually three books that'll be in the series. And I roughed out the first book and the second book. And actually, I have the third book roughed out. It's a continuation of the story of the fairies and how they interact with the garden and the grandchildren. So a couple months, I roughed it out. And then from there on, the publishing process took a little longer. So about a year. Patsy, can you tell me a little bit about your writing and publishing background? Well, I published another book called The Bird Book, and I think I put that out in 2008 or 10. I'd have to look at the last copyright. I rewrote it once. It's a book about birds, and they're in the flyway up here in our area. I wrote it because I had a cousin who did a lot of observations, and I wanted to preserve her work, really. Now, looking back over everything, what's the most rewarding aspect for you of being a published author? Well, I just think the the getting the story out there and watching my granddaughter enjoy the concepts and talk to me about the concepts. She she kind of let me know how kids play with things and her imagination and how that would take off. And it was just the experience of being able to say, let's put on paper what you're experiencing and how much fun that is to live in the world of reality, but be able to play with imaginary things and have it be a good experience. Hmm. What was that moment like for you then when you got to see and hold this book for the first time? That was awesome. I I just, I love books. Hmm. So to be able to, yeah, have the book and hold it in my hands, that's that's always awesome. Hmm. So what advice now would you have to those listening who are aspiring authors, they're just getting started and need a little push? They just need to do it. Christian Faith Publishing is one of the many places out there. I think they're particularly good because I had an experience with another company and I really felt that Christian Faith Publishing is the one that pays real attention to detail and wants to get right down to the illustrations the way you want them and the way you want to present the book. So just do it. It's a matter of putting those words on paper and then getting involved with a publishing company that will listen to you and know what you want and then we'll put that together with you. Patsy, it sounds kind of like writing may come sort of easy to you. So do you ever get writer's block? Do you ever have hurdles where the words just aren't coming? No, I can't really say. Once I've mapped it out, I don't really run into that. Maybe that's part of the thing that Christian Faith Publishing does for you is 
they help you to just tell the story mm. and then they'll help you refine and edit it. Well, I encourage my listeners to check out this book. It's called The Mysteries of the T-Rock Garden. It's written by George Three, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can buy this everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Patsy, thank you again for joining me. I had such a nice time talking with you tonight. Yes, thank you. Thanks for the call and thanks for the interview. What will the end of the world look like? I know we all have these questions, and author Joseph Morgan has written a new book about it. It's out right now. It's titled, The Rapture and the Return of the Lord Jesus Christ, Biblical Timeline Revealed. I'm really happy that Joseph is right here with me now to talk about it. Joseph, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Can you tell me all about what readers can expect in The Rapture and Return of the Lord Jesus Christ? They can expect a lot of questions that get answered by a lot, I should say, attempted to be answered by a lot of prophetic teachers out there. They will actually get answers to those things, like what are the nations and the 10-nation federation in the Antichrist kingdom? They will also get an answer to where does the Antichrist come from? And they will also get an answer to the prophetic timestamps for the return of the Lord Jesus to the earth. And when I say prophetic timestamps, yes, I overlay that onto Gregorian dates. So there is Gregorian dates, you know, and that's like, oh my gosh, you set a day and an hour. Not exactly. And that's why I tell everybody, read the, read the book. You will be given a Gregorian date, but it's based on prophetic timestamps that are absolute. And all of this stuff is derived from the scripture. And I, it's kind of like I walk people through what the Bible actually says. Not what we've kind of been programmed to think what the Bible says. And this includes people like myself brought up in pre-tribulational rapture theology on different things like that. But literally, what does it say? I lay it out kind of like a, a scientific empirical study and, and walk you through so that anybody can go and look at it for themselves. And I only use the Bible. I do not use outside source material at all. It's all in the Bible. It can all be deduced from the Bible. That's really what people can expect. Well, Joseph, how did the idea for this book come about? <laughs> That's the unusual thing. I didn't have an idea for this book. I wasn't going to even write a book of, or anything. Uh, it kind of just happened to me. I actually got off of working on a project where I, I, I ran for Congress here locally in Tucson, Arizona, where I, I, I live. And so I was just taking a break from that. And then I got back and it's like something uh, grabbed a hold of me to start looking at some timestamps that are in the Bible that, you know, we kind of just dance around in the, in the prophetic circles. They just dance around them. In Daniel, there's 2,300 prophetic days, then there's 1,290 prophetic days, and then there's 1,335 prophetic days, and then Revelation 1,260. And so I just started going back to look at that because I hadn't touched any of this really in over a decade. Mm. And so I did. And after about three and a half weeks of going down the rabbit hole, suddenly you know, I put together a bunch of pieces and I was like, this, I've got something, I got to start writing this. And so when I started writing, I, God's honest truth at, at five days, five wow. days. And the, the basic thing was, was written. It was done. The editing process took a while, but uh, yeah, five days, it kind of spilled out. But after about three and a half weeks of going down, like I said, this rabbit hole on those days. And when it comes to writing or publishing, are you new to this? This is my first publication. Yes. I'm not new to writing per se, because I've written papers through my master's degree work and, and I, I read vociferously a lot. I mean, voraciously, sorry. You know, as far as writing a, a manuscript of any kind of, of real length, yeah, this was my first project. Wow. Congratulations on getting your first book out in stores. It's such hard work and a lot of things come up that you might not expect. <laughs> yeah. What advice would you have for the aspiring authors out there? I would say 
the first thing, if you have an idea and thoughts are in your, in your head, start getting them on paper. That's really the best advice I would give to anybody who's looking to write anything. You just got to start writing it down. That's the first step. Then you can, you know, get help with the editing later. If you know friends and family that can help you with like language or, or different things like that. it helps. My mother is an English teacher for the last 45 years of her life. So mm. I have like a built in uh, editor of that sorts, but Really, that I think is the biggest hangup for a lot of people when they say, I have this idea, I have this, I start writing your thoughts down. You, you got to get them out of your head. Otherwise, you're just going to lose them eventually. So hmm. what was that moment like for you then when you got the first copy in, you got to hold it in your hands for the first time? Pure ecstasy. I mean, really, mm. it's some. I mean, you know, I'm going through the editing process, and you can see the title, and you see the manuscript, and you you look at the cover. But it's a whole world of difference when you're actually holding the finished product in your hand. So yeah, just pure ecstasy. It was really exciting. And the title of the book is "The Rapture and the Return of the Lord Jesus Christ: Biblical Timeline Revealed." It's written by Joseph Morgan, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can buy this everywhere. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere you shop for books. Joseph, thank you again for joining me. I had a really nice time talking with you. I did too. Thank you so much for having me. The Lord versus Corruption. This is the new book. It's out in stores right now. It's written by Rand Tubbs, and I'm really happy that Rand is right here with me now. Rand, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me all about your book, The Lord Versus Corruption? Well, it's um, really a continuation of a testimonial book I wrote back in 95, 96, about many supernatural events that ha happened to me for three and a half years when I was sick and dying with what I know now as chronic fatigue syndrome. Back then, there was no answer to it. You know, in the beginning of, of my first testimonial book, I put that if the Lord ever guides me to find my other son that I supernaturally was shown existed, then I'd write a full book about it. And I started having visions of how to find Justin 14, 15 years later. And that's what this book is about. And there's a lot of corruption involved in, in how I was shown to find my other son. Wow. Rand, what kinds of readers were you targeting whenever you wrote this? You know, just people that are interested in, in faith and in the Lord, and especially people just coming to Jesus because there's proof that Jesus heals in it. You know, there's proof of hell. There's proof that people are judged when they die. You don't, it just doesn't end. You either go up or down, and there's judgment there because the Lord told me that, you know, and I didn't even know what the word meant. And then that all came true too, to, you know, to make, I don't want to give my whole book away, but you know what I mean. <laughs> And then after all that time, when you got that first copy of this book in your hands, what was that like for you? Relief. It was a giant relief because it's been very hard for me to write this book. Mm. I'm not really a writer. You know, I'm more left-brained where I always like math and science, and I couldn't stand English in high school and things <laughs> like that. But I had to keep my word to Lord that, you know, if I ever found my skinny leg son, that I'd write a full book about it. It was hard. Mm. So there's a lot of relief. When I, when I got my first copy, there's a lot of relief, you know. Rand, a lot of our listeners don't think that they could be authors either. What advice would you give them? I know there's a lot more work than, than you know, some people might imagine. Mm. I've never been an author. I really didn't desire to be an author in a sense, except way back in the middle of the 90s. I wanted to put down this testimony, and you know, I've made many copies myself, probably you know, 120, and hand them out to many people. Even my son's name was prophesied in there because I heard it from a lady outside a dream you know, where it just said, isn't that Justin's father? So I wrote that down. And, you know, that didn't have to be his name. When I saw his toothpick legs and saw him skip and hop like my dad, his name could have been anything, but it was supposed to be Justin, and it was, you know. Have you given any thought to writing another book after this? You know, the only 
possibility I, I see there could continuation to this book, you know, through like a grandson or a granddaughter, because there will be proof there. And hopefully I'll get to know the other side of the family, you know, eventually in time. You know, there, I don't know if you've read my book, you wouldn't know detail, but there's a point where I just heard a voice from the other side. It sounded like an old man's voice, just said grandson. That was just before I went to prison. And I kind of think that he's a key to this. I'm not really sure, you know, but it's just, I'm not sure what else it meant. You know, there's different, first, I thought it was just one of my grandfathers, you know, saying grandson, that they were like proud of me from heaven that I never knew because they weren't alive when I was born. Afterwards, I think it's more about my own grandson. Rand, you said this wasn't an easy book for you to write. How did you get through those moments when the writing got especially tough? It was hard. I would just quit writing for, you know, for so many hours or whatever, and then go back in the be- in the basement in the little room where I tried to write and carry on, and then you know, you'd scratch off this page and that page and, and try to re- reword it. Then I had to try to shorten it all once it was all down once. I, you know, I couldn't find, you know, much professional help either. I did most of it all by myself. Mm. You said when you got the first copy of this in your hands, you felt such a wave of relief wash over you. Would you say then that was the most rewarding part when you think about the whole thing of being published and, and being a published author? It was a great relief to me that, you know, as I wanted to keep my word to the Lord. And there's also a little hope of some justice in here for me. And, you know, there's a drive there, too, of course. So injustice doesn't really ever go away until it's justified. Mm. You talked about not seeing yourself as much of a writer. Uh, do you do much reading? I really don't don't really read that much. I'm math and science again, and when I when I do read, it's, it's usually going to be nonfiction or it's going to be spiritual. The title of the book is "The Lord Versus Corruption." This is written by Rand Tubbs, and it's published by Fulton Books. Of course, you can get this everywhere that you shop for books, like Amazon and Barnes and Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick and mortar stores. Rand, I really enjoyed our time together here tonight on the show. Thank you so much again for joining me. Thank you too. Been a pleasure. Pam Johnston offers a story of hope in the midst of a horrific life. In her new book, A Roadmap Home, Leaving a Life of Abuse, Entering a Life Full of Grace. I'm really happy that Pam is right here with me now. Pam, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. Can you tell me all about the story you've written in A Roadmap Home? Yes. The story in that book is about my life and my sister's life growing up being sexually abused by our stepfather. Mm. It goes through living that life and how God brought us from where we were to where we are now. Pam, can you think back to where you got the idea, the inspiration to tell this story and then release it to the world? Well, I've spent several years ministering to other women And during that time, I was so surprised of how many women had a similar story. Mm. And I knew the process that the Lord had brought me through the steps, through the healing that he brought me through. And through that ministry time, I realized women need to know there is hope and there is a time of healing. So I've had this on my heart to do for a couple of years, and I finally sat down and started putting it on paper. Mm -hmm. What was that moment like for you then when you got to hold the first physical copy of this in your hands? You know... It was so exciting when I opened up that box and I reached in and I held that book in my hand and I'm going, wow, I really did this. Mm -hmm. 
And I couldn't have done it without the Holy Spirit leading me the whole step of the way. And it was just, it gave me goosebumps when I held the book. Mm. And I thought, wow, you know, I've got this out there. It's a, it's a ministry tool and it felt great. And when you think now that you're a published author, what's the most rewarding aspect of it for you? The most rewarding aspect I can think of right now is that the fact that it's going to reach so many women, it's going to, I feel like it will minister to them. It will give them a roadmap to healing. And that's what my goal is with this book, is that it will give other women a roadmap to their healing. Pam, what's your writing background look like? Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing or publishing? No, this was my first book. What would you say is the most challenging part about the whole thing for you? You know, I think the most challenging part was coming up with the title. Hmm. Because I had been through the healing process, so it comes easy for me now to talk about it and to lead other women through the process. So the most challenging part for me was coming up with that title. Pam, so many listening to us right now are aspiring authors wanting to get their first book out there. What words of advice could you offer them? Yes, I can only tell them what I did. And that was I sat down, I prayed about it, and I asked the Holy Spirit to lead me through every word that needed to be printed. Well, I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called A Roadmap Home, Leaving a Life Full of Abuse, Entering a Life Full of Grace. It's written by Pam Johnston, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you pick up books like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Pam, thank you again for stopping by the show. I had such a nice time talking with you. Thank you, and I appreciate your time. Sitting down with me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, is author D.R. Osborne, Jr. Don, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you so much, Corey, for inviting me. I feel privileged. I'm really happy to have you here. I just wanted to congratulate you on having your new book out in stores right now. It's called You Can't Fall Out of a Hole, Ripping the Band-Aid Off of Our Addiction Epidemic. So could you tell me about your book? Sure. I'm a recovering alcoholic, Corey, and I sobered up 46 years ago when I was a very young man, and I got a graduate degree. I've got two, two masters and a doctorate, and I wound up in the field as an addictions therapist, and then I built a, an addiction treatment hospital and then designed the first academic curriculum for a university in the United States to teach addictions counseling. Wow. So over the last 40 years, I've seen a terrible bend toward ignoring the things that worked in addiction treatment 45, 50 years ago, and everything moving toward substitution of one drug for another. And so this book is designed to talk about what works and what doesn't work in addiction treatment. Don, what sorts of readers were you looking to reach with this? Well, interestingly, interested that you, you asked that. It's designed for anybody that knows, loves, or lives with an alcoholic or drug addict. It's designed for alcoholics and drug addicts themselves who are looking for the best treatment they can find because all treatment is not equal. And it's designed for the people who provide treatment services to take a look at what they are missing from what really worked in the past and has been discarded, not because it no longer worked, 
but because there is new ways of looking at it. And the things that are going on today have about one half the treatment efficacy that treatment had 45, 50 years ago. Wow. Corey, the thing that we see is that treatment today for addictions cannot demonstrate that they have any more than at best, at best, a 30% success rate that lasts up to a year. Whereas the other way of doing it, <laughs> that's how that really works, had about a 70 to 85% success rate for at least three years out wow. that the studies conducted on it showed. So I think the public needs to hear this. Well, Don, you've been in this field now for a number of decades. When it comes to writing a book and publishing, have you ever done this before? Yes. Yeah, so in, in 2012, I published a book that was mostly personal philosophy. It was more of a vanity press, I think, it would be described as. This was the first serious book that I've ever had published. Hmm. Did it take you a long time to complete and then get out there in stores? It did. A couple of years. Hmm. Worked on it, went back, rewrote it, put it aside, went back and rewrote some more. <laughs> and I sought the input of other people in the field, other people that had been in the field for at least 30 years that knew what I was talking about in order to get their perspective as well. Oh, that's really wise of you to do. Uh, any other words of advice that you could give to authors who are listening, who are just starting out? Yeah, write about what you know. Hmm. I think often people have an interest in something and they may write about it, but not really have the personal experience with it, not necessarily have a history or expertise in that area. And secondly, don't be afraid. In fact, <laughs> seek the help of professionals in the publishing field hmm. to do your copy editing and the kinds of things that are necessary before submitting a manuscript. Well, Don, after all those years of working on this, what was that moment like for you when you got to hold the first copy of this in your hands? It was satisfying, not necessarily exhilarating or thrilling, hmm. satisfying because the next step now is getting it into the hands of people that I hope will read it. When I start seeing sales, that's when I'll be excited. <laughs> Don, who inspires you when it comes to the work that you do and your writing and what you create? In the book, I tell the stories of a number of people's lives that I've been privileged to be a part of who didn't make it. Mm. And a number of folks who did make it. They found recovery. And working with them in a variety of settings, I spent 10 years working behind bars with convicted felons mm. and gang members and so on, as well as the more traditional working like in a mental health center or an addiction treatment hospital. Mm. And I saw some miracles happen. And those folks that went from the depths of our society and despair in their own lives to achieving miraculous recoveries, that's what thrills me. That's where I draw my inspiration. Hmm. Well, this is truly an important book. It's called You Can't Fall Out of a Hole, Ripping the Band-Aid Off of Our Addiction Epidemic. This is written by D.R. Osborne, Jr., and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere that you shop for books, like on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, on iTunes and Google Play, and down the street at your local bookshop. Well, Don, thank you again for joining me here on the show. Thank you for the incredible work that you're doing here. I had a really nice time. Corey, thank you so much. It's the story of hope and strength. It's in the new book by Ehab Botros, and it's titled One Needle at a Time, A Miraculous Journey with Kidney Disease, 
I'm really happy to be talking with Ehab here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Ehab, thank you for joining me here tonight. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. Can you tell me all about the story that you've told in One Needle at a Time? Uh, yeah, of course. I had suffered with kidney disease since my youth, since I was a teenager. And my disease, unfortunately, kept progressing until at the point where about 12, 13 years ago, I uh, suffered with uh, total kidney failure. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I had to go on dialysis. During that time, my lovely wife decided to donate her kidney to me, and that was an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. We went in, and unfortunately, it only worked for three days. And then my disease attacked it back, mm-hmm. and I was back to square one going on dialysis again. I have been through all sorts of dialysis methods. I've been exposed to almost everything related to kidney disease. And what I wanted to do is write a book to tell my story. You know, I've, I've never really found any material that was written by kidney patients to fellow patients or to their families. What I really wanted to do is document my story. I created a section in there which was called From the Dialysis Chair. And it's basically multiple paragraphs that are short and just to the point telling my fellow patients about the disease, what to expect, some tips and so on. So that's uh, one of my book sections that I really find very important. Ehab, have you ever done anything like this before when it comes no, to writing a book or being published? What would you say was the most challenging part of writing the book and publishing this? Actually, during the, the process of writing it, I, I really wanted to bring forward my experience with all the details as much as possible. But I also have my walk with the Lord and how I spiritually progressed during that experience. Mm. At the time when I was early diagnosed, I actually encountered some unbelievable miracles that happened to me personally. I happen to live now in Toronto, Canada, and the same almost same experiences happened to my parents back home in Egypt, which was amazing. It was apparitions of some crosses, oil in my room, and amazingly, the same thing happened to my parents. And at the time, we were all amazed. The churches certified those as miracles. That was something that really changed my life. And I was expecting, you know, I was expecting that everything would be okay after all those miracles, that I'm going to go in, I'll feel better, everything will be solved. But to my amazement, some miracles that I never expected happened to me, like those crosses. But then again, the miracles that I thought would be a given never actually happened, and I remained on dialysis up until today. The most challenging thing for me was to document this range of feelings and how I grew through it all, mm. going from... You know, I originally trusting the Lord to totally confused, totally doubting everything, doubting that there is a God altogether, and, and then growing out of it into a much stronger person. I really, my challenge was to always keep that in mind, bring that and portray it to the readers as much as I can. Mm. Have you given any thought to writing more books and publishing more in the future? Definitely something on my, on my mind. I would love to bring forward more of my experiences with dialysis on the one side, uh, the practical experiences, and on the other side, maybe elaborate more on my relationship with the Lord. Definitely, I would love to. Considering how personal this is to you and how much work and time went into this, what was it like for you that moment you got to hold the first copy in your hands? It was unbelievable. The whole process really wasn't that lengthy as I thought, actually. I started, I remember, July 1st of 2020, and by July 1st, 2021, I was almost ready to publish it. Mm. It was almost in stores, so that was amazing. And I'm sure you learned a lot along the way. What advice could you give now to authors who are looking to embark on this same journey? Oh, of course. I, I recommend if you have something to share with the public, 
just put down your thoughts on paper and let your spirit guide you. It's unbelievable. The more I, I was focused on making my you know grammar good and my words right, I was actually taking longer <laughs> to write. And as it turned out, as I moved along with the book, when I just let it go and I just let my thoughts come naturally, it was unbelievable. That part actually was hardly revised again. It was perfect. <laughs> the title of the book is One Needle at a Time, A Miraculous Journey with Kidney Disease. This is written by Ehab Botros, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for books like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Thank you again, Ehab, for joining me tonight. I had such a wonderful time talking with you. Thank you so much, Clay. Forest of Mystical Creatures, Beyond the Brambles. This is the new book by M.R. Myers, and I'm talking about it with her now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. M.R., thank you so much for joining me here tonight. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Can you tell me all about Forest of Mystical Creatures, Beyond the Brambles? Well. It is a story about two fairy siblings. They go out one day and find themselves lost in the middle of a mystical forest. And the book is about their adventures home and, you know, the dangers and creatures that they find along their way. Sounds like a really fun story. Uh, what sorts of readers do you think would really be into this? Well, basically, I wrote it towards the age range between 6 and 12-year-olds, but I've had adult readers who have really enjoyed it as well. Hmm. Where did you get the idea for the story? Honestly, it was a story that I just told around a campfire one night and decided to just write it down. Hmm. Have you ever done this before? Have you ever written a book or published anything? No, actually, this is my first time publishing. Honestly, I've never... I'm written stories, you know, just for fun and whatnot. I guess I, I just decided that this was a story that I had told out loud that I wanted to write down. And it just kind of got published by, I don't want to say happy, well, maybe happy accident, you know. Mm. It was never written down with intentions to be published. Did that process take you a long time? Yes, the publishing process is actually very long. I mean, the whole writing down the book, because it wasn't meant necessarily for publishing, mm. it probably took me about 10 years before I actually finished the whole manuscript. Mm. You know, I just chipped away at it section by section. And then finally, one day I thought, huh, maybe I'll just, you know, submit this and see what happens. Mm. And then voila, it got accepted for publishing. So. One of the first things that struck me about your book was the cover. I really love the illustrations. Can you tell me all about that? Yeah, actually, they were done by a friend of mine who I met through my older brother. They went to art college together, and her name's Jeanette Ross. And we kind of just, I really liked her style. I've always liked her style of art. You know, I connected with her. I was like, hey, Jeanette, would you be interested in collaborating with me on this story? And she was really excited. So we worked together. It took us, you know, probably four months or so to get everything drawn up and finalized. And she was a great, great artist to work with. So I was really fortunate there. Mm. What was it like for you then when you got to hold that first copy in your hands? Uh, it was, honestly, it was very surreal. Like, 
you know, it's it's one of those things when, you know, when you're a kid and you have those dreams, oh, someday I'll be a published author. <laughs> um, to actually hold it was still, still today, I'm just like, wow, this really actually happened. Mm. And now that you are a published author, what's the most rewarding aspect of it for you? Honestly, probably self-growth. Like I said, it was one of those things that it's kind of like a childhood dream and you know, to actually push myself to follow through with the whole process, very rewarding, you know, just to know that, wow, you know, if you put your mind to something, you really can accomplish what you want. Yeah. Have you considered maybe a sequel to this or writing another kind of book in the future? Yeah, actually, I do have the start of a sequel to this story. So we'll we'll see where that goes, see how, how long that one will take me. Hopefully, you know, not another 10 years. <laughs> but, you know, it's just something that's cool. You know, it, it's fun and exciting all at the same time. A lot of people listening right now are authors just starting out. So would you have any advice for them? Have patience, you know, and keep chugging. You know, even when things get a little bit frustrating, just keep going and have that patience. Can you think of who inspires you when it comes to your writing or creativity or your life in general? Probably my my grandfather. He's always been a hard worker and very persistent in stuff that he, he wants to do and has always, you know, shown me that you just keep going. Things will work out the way that they need to. Well, I encourage everyone to check this book out. It's called Forest of Mystical Creatures, Beyond the Brambles. It's written by M.R. Myers and is published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere that you go shopping for books like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere. M.R., thank you again for coming on the show here tonight. I had a really nice time talking with you. Well, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Podserve, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 